we're going to be in Exodus. Chapter 22. This is a portion of scripture that it'd be very easy just to go over. Uh, And what I mean by it'd be one of those things just to read it and then move on, use it for material and other messages. And uh, there was, to be quite honest with you, a real temptation with that because it could look to be a little bit tedious, okay? Because we're going to be talking about Israel's justice system. And um, in the time past, it probably would have been very easy to take and to just step over it and overlook it. But we know this, that, that God doesn't put anything in his Bible by accident. Everything is there for our profit, amen? Would to God that maybe we would force our legislators to read it before they went and made any laws honestly we could do well and um, I tell you what the secret is to making this interesting at least it made it interesting for me we'll see if it makes it interesting for you but um, is seeing the unifying thought behind it one of the things I teach whenever I teach people how to study the Bible or prepare messages is make sure that you can boil whatever text you choose and I, I believe you should use a paragraph okay but uh, whatever text you use, boil it down to one word, meaning you've studied it enough, you've read it enough, you've meditated on it enough that you can get it down to one word, okay? And if you do that, you'll have an insight and you'll have an understanding that gives significance to what you're studying rather than it just being kind of random thoughts. I don't know, one of the, the, the hardest book to do that in is probably Proverbs because a lot of times they just seem like they're just kind of in there, you know? Uh, quite often they do have a unity though, but uh, anyhow... Uh, Exodus chapter 22, beginning in verse uh, 1, and we're going to go all the way down to verse 33. I won't read it just for sake of time, except for a little bit. But uh, in uh, verse 22, you've got to remember, in, in chapter 20, he gave us the Ten Commandments. And then um, last week, we saw that God expected to, uh, he talked about the people who went into the land. He expected them to be treated with dignity, fairness, and concern. Because he talked about how to treat, uh, if you will, the slaves. And he talked to, about how to you know, treat different folks. And that was last week's message. And he, he's talking to people who are in power and positions of prosperity that where you have, if you will, people under you. Okay? And so he was talking to the right audience. And um, you know, much like marriage, if you think about it, God requires some people to submit. But think about this. God never asked you to submit to a tyrant. Okay, uh, you're supposed to submit wives to your husband who is supposed to love you like Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Meaning this is that he was teaching even back then. He says, listen, I'm going to, your slaves have to follow you, but you have an obligation to treat them right. Okay, and so that's what we looked at last week, if you will. We remember that all this land is promised land given to Abraham. It belonged to God. And basically he's saying this, I will be glorified in those to whom I give it. Meaning, if I give you a family, then glorify me in your family. If I give you a job and a position of authority, then glorify me in how you treat people and how you lead people. You all understand that? And, uh, and so he teaches us that uh, because in Genesis chapter 12, God said, I'm going to give you this land. Come to a place that I will show you and I'll give it to you. And then he takes and he delineates uh, all of it. 
And so when he, when he took him on the way out, Exodus, that's what Exodus means, the way out, okay? So when he took him out of Egypt and brought him into the promised land, he says, here's how I expect you to treat my people in my land. Help me now. We use that verse, every good gift and every perfect gift descendeth from the Father of lights. What is a gift? And I don't want to overcomplicate things. Folks, a gift is something you've been given. How many of y'all been given anything by the Lord? Were you given life? Do we give the freedom that we enjoy? Were you given your job? Were you given your intellect? Were you given your health? Were you given your family? Were you get? come on. And so you see, he's, God is saying, I gave you this, I gave you this, I gave you this, I gave you this. Now I expect you to use it in this manner. Why? Because ultimately, your testimony reflects on me. Amen. And so, if you will, God has is, is, is been making that point in, since he gave us the law. Okay? So the Ten Commandments, you know, you say, well, keep the Ten Commandments, you go to heaven. He never one time told us that. Never one time told us that. Okay? Now, they did say, these things we will do. Of course, they didn't last one day. (laughs) But the whole point is this, is he never one time said, keep the commandments and you'll be saved. No, for by grace are you saved through faith. And grace is a gift. (laughs) Okay? Grace is a gift. And so God says, if I've gifted you with this, make sure that you use it according to the way I expect it to be used. Don't use it like other people have used it to, if you will, to aggrandize themselves or to or to put people into slavery and to mistreat others. Don't, don't do that. That's, that's not what I expect when I come to the land. And if you don't do it my way, the land's going to spew you out. Now, you guys all know what spew means, right? Vomit, okay? And so he's saying this. He's saying, listen, if you don't do it the way I told you, you can't live here. Now, how serious is God about these things? Amen? And, and so, if you will, now he's talking about the justice system, okay? Because there's always going to be inequalities. There's always going to be offenses. Uh, and the New Testament says this way, yea, doubtless, but offenses shall come. Meaning this, that it, you just can't have, here's the illustration I always use when I talk to couples, is if you take your hands, you rub them like that, your hands are going to warm up. Why? Because there's friction. And you can't have human relation without friction, okay? Friction is heat, and you, you all understand that. And so God is telling us, if you will, how to deal with that. So, uh, having said all that, Exodus chapter 22 and verse 1, the Bible says, If a man shall steal an ox or a sheep and kill it or sell it, he shall restore five oxen for an ox and four sheep for a sheep. If a thief be found breaking up and, and be smitten that he die, there shall no blood be shed for him. If the sun be risen upon him, there shall no blood be shed for him. It says, for he, should, uh, for he should make full restitution. If he have nothing, then he shall be sold uh, for his theft. If the theft be certainly found in his hand alive, whether it be ox or ass or sheep, he shall restore double. Uh, you guys understand that? He's saying this, if you lose the property, you've got to pay back four or five times. If you still have it in your possession, you just got to return double. Okay? And so if you will, in, in verses... Uh, 1 through 15 here, he talks about laws concerning property, okay? I don't know how many lawyers we have in here, okay? But in our justice system, that's called tort law, okay? Tort law. I, I even went to the Harvard, uh, Harvard Law School, and they defined tort law. So let me just read it to you, okay? It, it says, tort law defines what counts in the eyes of the law as wrongfully injuring another person. 
Assault, fraud, libel, malpractice, negligence, and nuisance are all torts, okay? Tort law also gives victims of such wrongs the opportunity to obtain a court-ordered remedy for the wrongdoer. Now, that's the definition of tort law. But, folks, if you were to read this chapter, you would derive that very definition for what God is saying here. He's saying, here's what happens when you mistreat somebody, okay? Here's the consequences, and here's the proper uh, remedy, okay? And so when it comes to Israel's justice system, he, he, he talks initially about property. Well, what, what kind of property? Well, the theft of property. In verses 1 through 4, he talks about uh, uh, if you steal something, here's what you do. Now, if you steal an ox and you sell it or eat it, you've got to pay back five oxen. Now, I don't know about you, but what's the price of hamburger right about now? Is it $5 or am I, am I, it's been a while since I shopped? How, how much is, a, is that about right? Five bucks? Higher depending on how good you get it. So some of y'all eating fatty hamburger and some of you eating the good stuff, right? <laughs> uh, so $5. Let's just say $5. That means that if you stole a pound of hamburger, then you've got you to pay back $25 worth of hamburger. You guys all understand that? Okay. And so he's saying, here's the, here's the resolution. How many of y'all would be motivated to steal something if you knew you had to, once caught, pay back five times what you stole? Okay. And you think about this, uh, the Bible tells us that was the cost if it was, if it was sold or lost by the criminal. And so five oxen or five sheep, and double if it was still found in his possession, verse 4, okay? But the Bible says in verse 3 that if you have nothing to pay, you say, well, I, I stole it and I ate it, I don't have anything to pay, okay. Well, then you're going to be sold into slavery, okay? Because you are going to pay back the person you stole from. By the way, whose slave do you think you became? There's no doubt he, he became the slave of the person he stole from, okay? And, and, and so, if you will, uh, think how our society would benefit if criminals um, lost the benefit of their crimes and had to work off their debt. How many of y'all think we'd have a better society? How many of you also think crime would go down? Well, I'm not going to steal that. Why? Because I can't afford to pay it back. <laughs> and if I caught, and, and by the way, most criminals get caught, okay? Now everybody... Uh, if, if, if you've ever known a criminal, anybody ever known a criminal? Have you ever known one? They're, have you ever seen them? They, they're always scheming or dreaming. They're, they're always hoping to think of that perfect crime. And, and every once in a while they think they've got it figured out. And that's, you know, usually about six months before they go to prison. <laughs> and so, you know, usually they get caught. Think about this. With no profit, crime recidivism would go to zero. Recidivism is a fancy word for People got out of jail, they go back and commit another crime so they can go back to jail, okay? And so it's just a continual cycle, get out, go in, get out, go in, get out, go in, get out, and, and, it, and it just, it destroys their lives, it destroys our economy, and God says this, he says, no, here's, here's, here's the resolution, if they steal, make them pay for their crime. Amen. Now, I, I would just tell you this, I, I, I have some, maybe some backward views on something like this. But I, I kind of think like you ought to get rid of stop signs and put people in the intersection. In the now some of y'all aren't old enough to know what I'm talking about. You guys, you guys remember when we used to have police that would do this? <laughs> okay. And by the way, now this might not be true for everyone. How many of y'all think that the people might be smarter than those stupid automatic lights that you get stuck at for five minutes with no traffic? <laughs> you guys know what I'm talking about? Would it be miserable work? Yeah. Would it be degrading work? Yeah. But you know what? It'd make people so they don't ever want to do that job again. Amen. 
okay? And, and you say, well, don't have them do that. Have them pick up trash on the side of the road. Okay, do that. Don't let them sit in a prison cell eating food and watching TV and exercising and becoming better criminals than when they went in. Amen. I mean, I guess I'm working for an amen there, but <laughs> I'm serious about that. Think about how much better our society would be if people who committed crime actually had to pay for their crime. And that doesn't mean you have to cut a hand off, and it doesn't mean that they have to be executed for every minor infraction, but it does mean that they have to pay, okay, and they have to pay. Individuals and companies could recoup their losses. Think about this. I don't know if you know this, but if you go to Walmart and you want to steal something, just steal it. Just steal it. Now, that might sound... Uh, Contrary to what I'm saying here, what I'm trying to say, they're not going to prosecute. You work for them. Am I telling the truth? Do you? Yes. Have you ever watched somebody steal something for less than 25 and just have them watch them do it? I was, I was standing at the, 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 the checkout counter one day, and this mother told her daughter, to go over to the, you know, the, all the cards, the game cards. The, I want some, I want some. She goes, just go get some. She took them, she put them in her pocket. I watched it, and a Walmart employee watched it. I said, you going to do anything about that? She said, no. Nope. She said, the manager told us to let him do it. Now, that was like five or ten years ago, and that might have been a different manager. <laughs> okay. But I'll tell you, here's the thing, is it's a line item. It's called loss. And folks, anybody who's ever worked in retail, you know at the end of the day, if you ever found something stolen or lost, you put it on the bottom of the P&L sheet every night. And you said, here, it walked out. And it's okay. Well, let me ask you a question. The criminal's not going to pay for it. I'm going to let you in a little secret. Walmart's not going to pay for it either. So who's going to pay for it? Well, the employees by not getting proper wages, maybe. Or the customer in increase prices because they have to cover for their loss. And so, if you will, in a, in a sense, our society is set up to subsidize crime. Y'all realize that? It's because the criminal doesn't pay for it. The victims pay for it. The companies and the... Am I, am I, okay. Amen? And, and all we'd have to do is say, no, well, help me. Anybody ever have one of their children steal something? What do you do? I don't know what you did, but I tell you what I did. I told my child that it was inappropriate, it was wrong, we don't do that. And then I had him look the person in the eye and say, hey, I stole this, here's the money for it. Can I just tell you this? I never even had to think about him stealing something after that. Why? Because I had to own up to their crime. And, it, and listen, it was, it was, if I remember, I had a candy bar, if I remember, okay? And so my, my whole point is this. They would never even think of doing that again. Why? Because they had to go back, look the person they stole from in the eye, and pay it back. Amen. It extinguished that behavior, okay? And so, if you will, uh, we see when it came to theft, there was to be uh, restitution. Now, he also addresses revenge. Look what the Bible says in verse 2. In verse 2, the Bible says this, If a thief be found breaking up and be smitten that he die, there shall no blood be shed for him. What he's talking about is uh, the right of the family to avenge his death. And he, what they're saying here is this, if somebody's committing a crime and it's dark, 
You can't see them. By the way, that's, he says that. Okay, implicit in there. First, he deals with in verse 4, I think. And they die, then no revenge. Why? Because they died committing a crime. Okay? Uh, you ought to be able to have the right to protect your home. Can I just tell you this? God addresses that right there in chapter 22. Amen. Okay? And, and so, if you will, uh, 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 so, having said that, if you can see who they are, you can't shoot them. Now, I don't know that they had guns back then, but you, got, you guys got my point. Look at verse 3. Look what the Bible says. The Bible says, if the sun be risen upon him, there, should, there shall be bloodshed for him. Meaning, if you could see who he is, you can't just kill him. Okay, why? Well, because you can go get a witness, go before a judge and say, hey, so-and-so stole my cow. Okay? And so you don't have the right just to kill people. Okay, but you have a right to protect your property if you can't see them, if they're slinking around. You don't know if they got a weapon. You guys understand that. And so, if you will, God addresses that right here in his word. So you're not allowed to avenge if dying while committing a, 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 a crime in the dark. But if you can't identify them, they were to go to trial, and he deals with that later, okay, in this text. Now, think about this, though. What, what nation today do we think of practicing these kind of crime laws? Muslim nations. Yeah, usually we think of Saudi Arabia. So what, anybody know what the, the punishment is for theft in Saudi Arabia? You don't lose your arm, you lose your hand, Okay. Anybody know what, the, know what the punishment is in a lot of these countries if you do it three times? You lose your life. Because they say there's no hope for you anymore. If you lose your hand and you keep stealing, they're probably never going to stop you from stealing. Okay. Now, people would say, well, see, God's just like that. No, 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 God's not just like that. Okay. How many of y'all believe our God is a God of mercy and grace? Okay. And so, if you will, this is the general guidelines, but then, if you will, God also allows for mercy, okay? Matter of fact, I want you to see this. Go to Proverbs chapter 6, please. Keep yourself here, because we're going to come back. Proverbs chapter 6. Look at verse 30. And the Bible says, Men do not despise a thief if he steal to satisfy his soul when he is hungry. Meaning this, you can, you can understand somebody stealing a chicken or stealing some eggs. You can even understand somebody stealing a cow if they're hungry enough, desperate enough. Okay. The Bible says, verse 31 says, But if he be found, he shall restore sevenfold. And I, I don't believe that means sevenfold because the Bible clearly said four and five. I believe that means to the fullest extent of the law. That's kind of a metaphor there. He says, He shall give all the substance of his house. And, and I believe that explains the sevenfold right there. Meaning this, God's saying this, I can understand if somebody steals to eat, okay? And I, I would tell you this, if you know somebody so poor that they're having to steal their food, maybe we could reach out in compassion. Now, the sad truth is we've got so many people abusing that system that we've lost the ability to have compassion. You see people begging, and i got to be honest with you, I saw some people begging this last week, brutally cold, and I thought, I almost felt bad enough for them, I almost... Ran them down to give them some money. I don't, don't mean run them down. You know what I mean? <laughs> but uh, 
I, I thought, wow, I, I, I'd be honest with you, I felt sorry for a couple of them. Because usually in our society, it's mental illness or, or different things like that. And so, you know, I do believe there is a place for mercy. And I believe God allows for a place for mercy. Matter of fact, notice what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Okay. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Look at verse 7. And the Bible says, Now, therefore, there is utterly a fault among you, because you go to law one with another. Why do you not rather take wrong? Why do you not rather suffer yourselves to be defrauded? You know what he's saying? He's saying if somebody steals your chicken to eat, you know, it's okay to forgive them. You don't have to take them to court. Y'all understand? Okay, so he's, he's acknowledging, you know, you don't have to take everything to court. And he's talking especially with brethren here, okay? We, I understand the context, but you understand my point. He says in verse 8, he says, Nay, ye do wrong and defraud, and that your brethren. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And, and by the way, that, as I was studying that, I, I mean, it would take a whole sermon just to explain what that means. You all understand? But notice what he says, and such were, you guys know this, and such were some of you, meaning this, any of you all got anything in your past you wish God would just forgive you for and you could just move on? Amen? And so God is saying this. He's saying, listen, here's the primes. Here, here's, your, here's the way that you can be made whole, and, and here's the proper ratios, and here's what you should do. But God leaves room for mercy. You know, you could just forgive it, too, okay? I haven't said that. I, I think I'd be the type that, you know, I'm just my personal opinion, you could forgive it up to a point, and at some point you're like, you know, you've stole from me ten times, you know, enough's enough. You guys understand? And, and so anyhow, uh, anyhow. Uh, and so he talks about restitution. He talks about revenge. He says this is the vengeance or the punishment that you can exact. And then he talks about, if you will, the crime of negligence. Okay? Now I'm going to ask you all a question. If you borrow something, if you borrow a car, how should you return the car? Full of gas. Full of gas. Who said that? There you go. Absolutely. Full of gas and probably cleaner than you got it. In better condition than you got it. Why? It's just courtesy. Okay? Meaning what? You were entrusted with somebody else's property. Be a good steward over it. Now listen, anybody can have an accident. You, you guys understand that. But even God is saying this. Listen, I gave this to you. Okay? Now if somebody gives you something, be a good steward with it. Look what the Bible says in verse 5 back in our text. In Exodus chapter 22 and verse 5, it says, If a man shall cause a field or a vineyard to be eaten, and shall put in his beast, and shall feed in another man's field, of the beast of his own field, and of the, excuse me, of the best of his own field, and the best of his own vineyard, shall he make restitution. Meaning this, you let your cow out, and you eat somebody else's field, well, you're either getting a whole bunch of hamburger, <laughs> or you have to restore that feed that they ate. Come on. Is that the world we live in? I'm not really in the farming economy here. No. <laughs> uh, you understand? And by the way, what is the crime there? The crime is simple negligence. And so somebody can look at you blank face and say, well, I didn't do anything. It was the cow. Well, who was in charge of the cow? 
Well, he broke through the fence. Who's in charge of the fence? Right? And God, God addresses that right up front, okay? He, he says, here's what happens. He says, if, if you have, and you can keep reading down to verse 13, if you have any of these issues, take it to a judge. Look what the Bible says in verse 9. Because a lot of times you can say, well, it's his fault. No, it's his fault. Well, you get an impartial judge. And in verse 9, the Bible says, For all manner of trespass, whether it be for ox, for ass, for sheep, for raiment, or for any matter of lost thing, which another challengeth to be his, the cause of both parties shall come before the judges of whom, uh, of whom the judges shall condemn, he shall pay double unto his neighbor. Meaning if you take it to court, the price is twice. In the United States of America, you have to be proven guilty. You guys understand it? And a lot of times people can't go to court because somebody else can afford more lawyers than you can afford. Okay? Well, um, in Britain, they have the opposite system, okay? Meaning this, that when you go to court, you have to pay the other person's fees, okay? So you have to weigh, is this worth it to me to, to go to court because it's going to cost me? Well, I mean, you guys, we advertise for lawsuits in America. Hey, have you been injured this way? We'd like to represent you. And as long as you give us 50%, we'll do a really good job. <laughs> By the way, that's true. I mean, I think the minimum on some of those is 30%, okay, the minimum, all right? And so the, the whole point is this, is, is, is God is saying this, he's saying if you go to court, then it should cost you, okay? Meaning what? Resolve these things. Work these things out, okay? Work these things out. And, and so I believe God uh, addresses negligence. He talks about using judges. He, he talks about how it applies to business arrangements. Look what the Bible says in verse 10. It says, if a man deliver uh, unto his neighbor an ox or an ass or sheep and the other beast to keep it and it die or be hurt or driven away, no man seeing it, then shall an oath of the Lord be between them both that he hath not put his hand unto his neighbor's goods and the owner of it shall accept thereof and he shall not make it good. Meaning this, if you were a good steward, you kept your fences closed, maybe a, an animal got in and tore it, you can't help that. You can't help that. And so you're, you're not held accountable for that. You know? So, I mean, think about it. God's kind of dotted his I's and crossed his T's on all this, hasn't he? And he says, here's how you address these problems. And so he's talking about theft. He deals with restitution, uh, avenging a crime, and then uh, how to deal with negligence. And by the way, even borrowing. I like this. Look at verse 14. He says, if you borrow something or hire somebody. It says in verse uh, 14, it says, And if a man borrow aught of his neighbor, and it be hurt or die, the owner thereof... Being not with it, he shall surely make it good. But if the owner thereof be with it, he shall not make it good. If it be an hired thing, it came for his hire. As long as he wasn't negligent in using it, listen, if the thing dies, you hired it, and it just, you know, it broke. <laughs> you guys understand? And so that's just part of a rental agreement. You know, things break, okay? That's why you should always buy the insurance when you go to a rental company. I'm just joking. Anyhow. All right. Now, I've got to be honest with you, the next four verses, five verses, get kind of dark, okay? Because he goes from dealing, if you will, with personal crime to what I called, to give it unity, perversion of God's order, okay? Let me ask a question here just to get us all up to speed. What is the purpose of marriage? What is the purpose of marriage? Do I need to teach a class on the purpose of marriage? 
Say it again. Okay, so to bear children. Okay, so to bear children, yes. What else? You guys know this, come on. Are we, are we, after we have children, are we, are we still responsible for them? And what are we supposed to do? Raise them. What did you say? Commit. Yeah, commit to them or raise them in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. We're supposed to raise good citizens. Y'all with me? And so we're supposed to be fruitful and multiply. We're supposed to multiply good citizens, if you will. And so he immediately begins to address, I preached on this Wednesday night, the devil attacks our institutions, doesn't he? And what was one of the institutions? It was the family. The devil is always attacking the family. And a lot of the wickedness that we see in the world today, and your jaw drops, and you're like, I can't believe somebody did that. Folks, he, he addressed this 3,000 years ago. You guys understand? Over 3,000 years ago, by the way. Okay? And, and so the whole point is this. is uh, uh, he, he, Look what it says in verse 16. In verse 16, the Bible says, And if a man entice a maid that is not betrothed and lie with her, he shall surely endow her to be his wife. Okay? And if her father utterly refused to give her unto him, he shall pay money according to the dowry of virgins. Okay? Now, you remember that even happened with Jacob. Remember he had a daughter, Dinah? She went out to visit the daughters of the land, and she ended up getting raped. And... Um, and, but the, the man fell in love with her and then tried to do this. He tried to arrange it. And, uh, and they worked out in accord, and it was good, okay? The whole point is this. Um, I think most of you know I don't, I don't believe in dating, okay? I believe in courtship. And courtship is where you involve your parents, your pastor, okay? And, and you ask, is this a relationship that I should pursue, Okay? It's God's blessed way of doing things, all right? Um, should a man ask the father for his daughter's hand in marriage? It's not just courtesy. It's God's way of doing things. Is it okay for me to pursue a relationship with your daughter? Then that way the man says, well, have you, don't, 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 right? And then you say, yes, you have permission to pursue. And by the way, that was marriage, they haven't even come together. They haven't consummated the marriage yet, but they have worked out. You remember that Joseph and Mary were married, but they hadn't come together as husband and wife. Why? Well, Joseph was still uh, coming to account for taking Mary as his wife. Well, you've got to have a job. You've got to have a house. You've got to have... Amen. Okay? And then... When he says, well, here's my house, and here's my job, and, and, and we're ready to move out, and then you could have the wedding, and poof, there you go, okay? And that's God's order. That's God's way of doing things. Amen. That's God's blessed way. And he says, I put you in the land to be fruitful, to multiply, and we're going to use the institution of marriage to do that, okay? But if it gets violated, well, here's, here's the payment for that, okay? Does God take marriage seriously? Yeah. By the way, who performed the first wedding? God did. God did. Okay? And so, if you will, we, we see here that uh, if you defiled a virgin, there was, there's, there, here's the way of redress. The Bible says, look what it says in verse 18. You say, well, how in the world does this apply? Okay? 
Verse 18, the Bible says this. It says, thou shalt not suffer a witch to live. Now help me now, what's a witch? Am I asking too many questions this morning? A witch is somebody who, through spells or incantations, has power in the spiritual realm. Would that be a fair definition? Let me ask you a question. Are witches real? Wow, that was fast. <laughs> witches are real. Okay. The devil is real. Wicked spiritual power is real. Why would somebody go to a witch then? Maybe they want to speak to the dead. Maybe they want power in a business transaction. Maybe they want victory over an enemy. Amen? Well, help me for a second here. Who are you supposed to go to for things like that? And God alone. And so God says this. He says, if anybody ever offers to minister for you in the spiritual realm, they don't come through me, kill them. Now, folks, do you think he was serious about that? And there was a reason for that. And it wasn't just because he was jealous of, of saying, well, I'm going to lose my influence. No, he's saying you're going to destroy yourself going to the devil for spiritual victories. And so he says, and by the way, it says witch here, but you could say a warlock or anybody, a man or a woman that takes and delves in this realm. Go with me, if you will, to Philippians. Well, you know Philippians 4.13, help me. I can do all things through... Christ, which strengtheneth me. Where should we go for our spiritual power? Christ, okay? And so, uh, you know that. But go to Isaiah chapter 40. And this is a, a common verse too, but we'll expand on it. Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40, look at... Um, Verse 29, and the Bible says this, it says, He giveth power to the faint. Who's he talking to? He's talking about believers. He's talking about God. He give power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall excuse me, utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. He's talking about getting strength from the spiritual realm to do the things of life. Amen. But notice, if you will, uh, also in Isaiah, go to Isaiah chapter 41, look at verse 10, where he says this. He says, fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will hold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Is, is God offering his strength and his power to us? Absolutely. Listen, come on now, absolutely. God is saying, I can strengthen you. Come to me and I'll give it to you. Amen. Uh, if you will, uh, we're still there. Go to Isaiah chapter 45. Look at verse 24. 45 verse 24. And the Bible says, Surely one shall say in the Lord have I received, uh, have I righteousness and strength. Even to him shall men come, and all that are incensed against him shall be ashamed. I mean, I, I don't want to go to God. I'm going to go to this witch over here, okay? Uh, no, no, come to God. Come to God. He can give you the, what you need in, 
time to help. Uh, we already asked, you already answered this question. Is, is Satan real? Are his witches then real? Yeah. Could you go to, can, can, can the devil give somebody supernatural strength? We've got a former police officer here. Can the devil give uh, supernatural strength to somebody? I've I got to tell you if, you, if you ever want to enjoy, you know, a couple hours, sit down and talk to a, a policeman or a former policeman, just have them tell you a story about some of the demon-possessed criminals that they've processed. And, and some of the stories they will tell you will blow your mind, okay? How many of you have also heard of a pregnant woman lifting a car off her child? You ever heard those stories? Well, can God give you strength, supernatural strength? He sure can, okay? But if you will, some people go to the devil for those kind of things, okay? And so God says, uh, Mark chapter 5, Mark chapter 5, we'll go to a familiar place here. Mark chapter 5 is the story of the demon-possessed man of Gadara, and I, I think that if you talk with the police officer, he could describe somebody just like this that he's met, okay? Meaning what? The Bible says in verse 2, it says, And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with a, what's the Bible say? Uh, what does a witch have? A familiar spirit, okay, a familiar spirit. By the way, also unclean also from the devil, not from God. Y'all with me? The Bible says, Who had his dwelling amongst the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains. Why? Why? He had supernatural strength. Because that he had often been bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. But folks, I'm just telling you the devil's real. Witchcraft is real. A lot of people, as Christians, sometimes you want to deny those. All oh, those things aren't even real. Well, yeah, they are. They are. That's why God says, if you find one, kill him. Come on now. Is that what the Bible says? Suffer not a witch to live. And he's saying, listen, anybody that dabbles in that is, is going to do it to your own destruction. He was very serious about it. Notice uh, Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16 and uh, uh, look at verse 16. And the Bible says this, it says, And it came to pass as he went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with the spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show us uh, unto us the way of salvation. By the way, everything she said was true. Help me now. What does it take for a lie to be believable? It's got to be mostly true. Yeah, have a little truth or mostly true. By the way, the most believable lies are the ones that are mostly true. By the way, she was saying that. How many of y'all think that she was trying to lead people to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ? No, she was trying to distract people from the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Okay? So what she said was moderately true, mostly true. But it was being said by somebody that they knew wasn't speaking for the Lord, but for the devil or, or for the spirit that was in her. Okay? 
And so if you will, uh, they can have supernatural power, they can have insight into things. And then, just for sake of time, I won't go there, but First Samuel chapter 28, the witch at Endor brought Samuel up. And you can have an argument all day about what you think about that. But uh, uh, Saul had said, we're going to kill all the witches until I need one. Until I need one. Matter of fact, she said, you deceive me. You're Saul. You're trying to deceive me so you can kill me. Okay. Well, no. You guys, you guys know the story. And so, if you will, God says, don't pervert, if you will, courtship and marriage. Don't pervert true spiritual power. Kill it. Remove it. And by the way, I didn't put it here, but I did study it. Um, if they didn't remove them from the land, they were going to be removed from the land because of them. Okay? So God said, kill them before they influence your life, and I have to remove you from the land. Okay? What, again, is the purpose of marriage, folks? Let me say it this way. What is the purpose of personal relationship between a man and a the, the marriage bed is undefiled. What is the purpose of the marriage bed then? One of the purposes, the most important purpose, is to produce seed, to produce children. Y'all with me? Well, folks, the next part is so uncomfortable, just read it for yourself. Verse 21 there, okay? But it's talking about bestiality. Verse 20, excuse me. Excuse me, verse 19, okay? And the Bible is very clear about what it believes about that. I don't know if you've been watching the news, but folks, these kind of things make national news nowadays. You got transvestites going to libraries to teach stories to children. Do you think they're really worried about literacy? No, they're worried about recruiting. Amen. That's why you got so many kids today that are confused and pursuing these wrong life tracks. So much so that it gets to the depravity of bestiality. God says kill them. If you want the verses, I'll give you the verses. Okay? But the Bible says kill them and kill the animal. Kill both of them. Okay? And I don't know if you know this, but there was a book when AIDS first came out. It was called In the Band Played On. And it talked about the origin of AIDS. And folks, many people believe, and I believe this, because I, I mean medically, that AIDS came from green monkeys. I don't mean green-colored monkeys. They're called green monkeys. Okay? And... Uh, and so, does God put a death penalty on it too? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Remember, people died from AIDS early on. And so, my whole point is this, is God says, kill them. Why? Because if you don't, they'll destroy your society. Okay? They'll destroy your society. I'll have to move you out. He also says, don't, if you will, pervert my worship. Look what the Bible says in verse 20, back in our text. Exodus 22 and verse 20. The Bible says, he that sacrificeth unto, what's the next two words, please? Any God, save unto the Lord only, he shall be utterly destroyed. Unless you don't know what that means, that means that he is supposed to be taken outside his city, removed from all his property, and, and if you will, if not killed, uh, just removed, gone. Utter, 
to, remember what they were supposed to do? Every city they were supposed to come to, they were supposed to kill all the males, they were supposed to tear down the walls, they were supposed to utterly destroy any influence that city had. Why? Because God said their problem was they were worshiping the wrong God. Amen. Okay? Why don't you think about this? Uh, by the way, that, that, that word lit- means literally uh, uh, to, to ban, to destroy, or to remove. He wants their influence completely gone. In order to do what? To protect us. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 12. Deuteronomy chapter 12. Okay. And I'm out of time, so I'll be done here with this. But Deuteronomy chapter 12. The Bible says, These are the statutes and judgments which ye shall observe to do in the land, which the Lord God of thy fathers give thee to possess it. All the days that you live upon the earth, you shall utterly destroy all the places wherein the nations which you shall possess serve their gods, upon the high mountains, upon the hills, and under every green tree. He says, destroy everything. He says, and you shall overthrow their altars and break their pillars and burn their groves. Do you all get what he means by destroy? <laughs> Stamp it out, turn it to ash, spray it with water, kick it in the wind. <laughs> Amen? Why? Because if you don't, they'll influence your sons and your daughters. They'll turn to those same idols and the power that they offer. And I'll have to do the same thing to you. Now please listen to me and I'll be done. You could continue on. He talks about uh, protection for the powerless after this. And maybe I'll get to that next week or not. If not, I got the notes here and you can have them. But have you noticed how seriously God takes the things that our society that takes so lightly today? We've redefined what marriage is. Folks, all you got to go to is go to a downtown in most cities. And if, if anybody's ever been to the inner city downtown, what do you see there? Palm readers, soothsayers, seance type stuff. I mean, some dark, wicked stuff. Today, people say love is love. No, no, no. God's design is love. Amen? And, and by the way, worship. Please listen to me today. But one of the biggest strings in our society today is how we worship our God. So much so it hadn't happened in a long time, but I used to get catalogs for dance wear for church services. Why? So that girls could get up and dance. For Help me now. You all got a verse where the Bible says we should do that? The Bible does say let everything be done decently. And I was thinking about this this week, and I'll be done. But you remember when Jesus fed the 5,000, the first thing he said was have them sit down. Get them in order. We're not going to just have a big party here. We're going to let these people know that God can feed them with one lunch. Amen. And so if you will, so many people today say, well, that's just your opinion, blah, 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 blah. No. Well, that's Old Testament. Okay. But there's a lot of things in the Old Testament that God doesn't readdress in the New Testament because he made his position on it clear in the Old Testament. I think there's a better blessing in that text, and sometimes we would give it. I encourage you to go back and study. It was a blessing study, and we're done.